Lovely. Thanks very much, uh, Maggie. Um, good to see you all. Um, so my welcome to that of Steve's. Um, if you can't hear, we are having problems with sound, so if you can't hear, there are a few seats at the front. If you think that might help, it won't be embarrassed. Just come up and uh, be a sheep. Um, also, we didn't mention the heating. Um, we are working on the heating, but it's particularly bad today because it didn't actually come on at all. Um, someone had switched it off by accident. So <laughs> apologies. Hopefully it will warm up a little. But it will keep you awake for the next 60 minute. No, the, the, next, the next time. We're going to stay in that Bible passage, um, page 1076, and let me pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us to the beginning of a new day, to uh, a day where we are invited to worship you. And Lord, we pray now that we'll worship you with our ears, with our hearts, that we'll listen to your voice, and Lord, that you'll change us and bring us closer to you, we pray. We pray it to your glory. Amen. Um, before I start, actually, we have finished our Ecclesiastes series, and I did want to just flag up that book again, Destiny. If you missed a couple of talks or you're wanting to carry on uh, thinking about the things that we've been doing, please do pick up a copy of Destiny. We don't know if we've got them on the bookstall still, but we can easily get hold of them if uh, that's what you want. Um, it's possible um, there are a number among us who are jaded by the concept of leadership. Perhaps at school, you're a bit fed up with the teachers, or confused by them, perhaps. Uh, or at work, your boss is, well, he's a bit much. Uh, you're struggling with that. Or your boss is absent. Certainly in British and American politics, leadership is under a lot of scrutiny in recent times. And we can feel let down, can't we? And it can actually make us feel quite vulnerable. And whoever we are, we do hunger to be led, to be shown a better way, and we're quite keen to follow. Well, that was the case in Israel's day, in Jesus' day, I should say, in Israel. Matthew 9, Jesus looked at the crowds, didn't he, and he saw they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They needed godly leadership. And over the next three Sundays, as Steve was saying, we're going to be looking at that John 10, that we are the sheep, that Jesus is the good shepherd. And I hope that we'll see that there is nowhere else to go. There's nothing that compares to this shepherd. And it's interesting, isn't it, that the Bible does describe you and I as sheep. Maybe we're not sure about that. Uh, sheep are a bit dim. Um, they are... Uh, we like to think we're sophisticated, we're independent. Um, the sheep are dim, they can't see properly, um, and they're very dependent. You don't, well, you do get wild goats, but you don't get wild sheep. They're vulnerable, they need protection, and they need care. They need to be taken to green pastures and calm waters. So do we. So we hunger to be led to be shown a better way. But too often we turn to the wrong leadership. And in these verses in John 10, Jesus presents us with a choice. Two ways to live. And this tussle has been going on since chapter 9. 
as Christians, followers of Jesus, it's a tussle that we feel often. On the one hand, Jesus commands us to follow him, verse 10. His leadership means life, wonderfully. But on the other hand, there's these other voices calling us away from him, seeking to lead us into danger, away from the true life. And we hear these voices at school. Uh, We hear them at work. Uh, We hear them on the television. They're attractive voices. They are sometimes clever voices, telling us what life is really about, how we should really be thinking, telling us what fun there can be to be had, how to be popular, how to be the real you. But maybe you're here this morning and you're still wondering about Jesus and you're yet to answer the call to follow him which means you are definitely being blown this way and that by all sorts of voices telling you what to eat, what to wear, how to live, how to spend your money, uh, leading you down this way or that way, multiple shepherds all coming at you at once, some that you follow happily and some you're following without even realising. But drifting along in this way, it doesn't satisfy And it can lead to that trouble and the trouble that you have tasted in the past. And there is only one shepherd that leads us to life, to eternal life. And he is good. He is good. And he wants the very best for us. And we see that so clearly when compared to these other supposed shepherds, the choice that we're facing here. So far in John's gospel, Jesus has been doing only the things that God can do. And he's been doing it with such compassion and love. Teaching like that had never been heard before. Including making incredible claims about himself. And that increasingly got him into trouble. With the religious leaders in Israel. And they won't believe who Jesus demonstrates that he is. And instead of celebrating him, they plot to get rid of him. He announces, I am the light of the world. You no longer need to scrabble around in the darkness looking for purpose, looking for meaning. And to prove he was the light, he gave sight to this blind man. He was born blind. And verse 3, he was born blind in order that Jesus, this chapter 9, verse 3, he was born blind in order that Jesus would show God's great work in his life. People can hardly believe it. They take this blind, once blind man to the religious leaders. But rather than celebrate this wonderful work of God, the leadership do not. And rather than look after this man, as is their duty, verse 33, these supposed shepherds condemn him and they cast him out. And that's the behavior that we saw in our first reading from Ezekiel 34. God is fed up with the bad shepherds who've been exploiting the people and only caring for themselves. They will be held accountable. There will be judgment. And God himself, we heard, will come and shepherd his people. It's a beautiful, beautiful verse. Beautiful passage. And here in John 9, verse 35, Jesus goes looking, doesn't he? He goes looking for the one who's been cast out. And he reveals himself as the Son of Man. 
And the man, what does he do? What's his response? He falls down. He worships Jesus. But verse 40, uh, the Pharisees, those religious leaders, overhear Jesus calling them, them, blind, us, what? And he begins to teach them. And that continues into our chapter in verse 1. Whenever Jesus says, I tell you the truth in John, it's always a further explanation of what he's been saying. And what he has to say is hugely controversial. Verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in to try in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. They are thieves and robbers. They are not the rightful leaders. But rather, Jesus is. Verse 2 and 3. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Well, the passage divides neatly into two, with verse six in the middle. They don't understand this figure of speech that he's talking on, so he, he carries on teaching, builds on it. So my first point is, follow Jesus as the true shepherd. Follow Jesus as the true shepherd. This is his first six verses. You see, we can think that the religious leaders were the gatekeepers. You know, they were well-intentioned, but ultimately rejecting Jesus to protect the people, the sheep. Well, Jesus says, no, they are not the gatekeepers. They are robbers. Those who, at night, climb over the wall and bring harm to the sheep. And then verse 2 I am Israel's shepherd. He stands in plain sight, Jesus does, in sight of them all, in front of the pen, and the watchman sees him and lets him in. And he calls, as Jeanette called earlier, to the children. And the sheep hear his voice, and they respond. And the pen would typically uh, contain a few small flocks belonging to different families in the area. And they would club together and pay or hire a watchman to keep them at night. And the shepherd would then come in the morning and lead out his particular flock. Not driving them, as uh, we tend to do in the UK, uh, but leading them, calling them, as Jeanette was earlier. And it wouldn't be unusual for the shepherd to have named the sheep. Uh, and the sheep would certainly recognize the voice of their shepherd. So as the shepherd stands by the pen... He calls, and the right sheep who know him come out of the pen and get led into the pasture. It's very personal, isn't it? Verse 3, he calls them by name. And Christians, we've experienced this, have we not? It's a mighty privilege. He knows you. He truly knows you. Better than you know yourself. And he calls you by name to follow him. And so the question here begs, when you face that choice, later today you'll face it, or tomorrow morning, when you hear the voice of the world, come here, indulge in this, do that, think this, put yourself first. She's wrong, you're right. Of course you're right. Who will you follow when you hear those voices? Who will you follow? Well, let me read 
from verse 4. When he had brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The good shepherd wants to lead you. You know his voice, Christian. Follow him. Don't sell yourself short. Don't run after a stranger. Don't get yourself caught up with the thief and the robber. The people or the things that will take you away from Jesus. Don't do it. You know my voice. Follow me. this has direct application doesn't it uh, we have full shepherds in the church since Ezekiel 34 or 1st century Israel uh, there have always been full shepherds or bad shepherds among God's people people who teach a different gospel for example that Jesus didn't atone for our sins uh, teaching that all religions go to God or teaching that we are all safe whoever we are Teaching what our itching ears want to hear. Well, God kindly says to you, they are thieves and they are robbers. I must admit, I was concerned recently that at St. Paul's we were going off to listen to Bishop Stephen the other day. And Bishop Stephen's a lovely man. I get on with him well. But he calls what is sin not a sin. And in doing so, he endangers the flock. He knows that I and the PCC, how we feel about it here. And very kindly, as you many of you know, he's given us a different bishop to oversee us, Bishop Rod. Nevertheless, Bishop Stephen and the Oxford bishops he works with are endangering the sheep. But there is solace, some solace here in the text, isn't there? Because we see that the true sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd so they will recognize where the shepherd where there's bad shepherds and they will flee from the stranger we must pray for our denomination especially as its leadership seems so attentive to the voice of the world so choose life follow jesus as the true shepherd why well, secondly, only Jesus gives true life. And that's the last bit, 6 to 10. These robbers do not understand, so Jesus continues in verse 7. Let me read it. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus is expanding on what he's already taught. He continues the theme of shepherds and sheep pens, but now he's making a new point that he is the gate. And these verses are all about the outcome for those who follow Jesus. There's a wrong way to go in verse 8, in that first part of verse 8. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. These are specifically the ruling religious leaders of the day, those in Ezekiel's day and so on. But then read on in verse 8, the sheep don't listen, as we've already established. Instead, verse 9, true sheep, those who are lost 
and they're hungry for a true shepherd. Verse 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. We've been using that word a lot this morning. Saved. That word saved, um, it's very interesting to have it here. Um, In Numbers 27, Moses, the first sort of under-shepherd of Israel, he's coming to the end of his life and he says to God, who is going to lead the people after me? One who would lead the community out and bring them in so that the Lord's people will not be sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord replies, take Joshua, saviour. The name Jesus means the same thing, saviour. And that's the same word here in verse 9. Jesus is saying, I am the one Moses points to. I am the gate. I am the only means by which the sheep can enter the safety of God's fold. The green, luscious pastures. He is the shepherd worth following. The only shepherd worth following. He's the voice that we need to hear. He said something very similar to his disciples, didn't he, in in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way. There's no secret door, no climbing over the wall of the pen at the back. One way into God's kingdom, and it's through me, through Jesus. And he explains how in verse 11. He lays down his life for the sheep. He dies in our place for our sins. He is the gate, the door. And this is so beautiful. It's so liberating. Because it's not up to your performance or my performance to get us into the kingdom. It's not whether we're good enough or uh, we've done all these things for God. It's about him and what he's done. We simply trust in him and go through into green pasture. He's the only one who's provided a way back to God. And that's what the whole John's gospel is about, isn't it? The the God who loved the world so much, despite the world's uh, wickedness and rejection of him. He loved the world, so he sent his son to us to bring us home. That all those who trust in him will, will will, will, will have everlasting life. And Jesus says, I will be your Joshua, your saviour. Come through the door. Choose me. Choose life. And that's what the once blind man did in chapter 9, verse 38. Remember? He kneels down and announces, Jesus is Lord. He's the shepherd. He's the one. He believes in Jesus. And he's not just changed his mind intellectually. He has stepped through the door. He started following Jesus. He's worshipping him. Now, intellectually, I can believe that there's a very strong wind coming on Friday. Um, But I did act on that belief. I started securing things in the garden, putting the bins in a safe place. We need to act on this, don't we? Not just intellectually believe it. So will you follow? Will you follow the good shepherd? The thieves and the robbers who climbed over the wall Yes, there would have been a caretaker role for Israel's leaders while they awaited God's true shepherd, but they weren't suitable to do it. They did not have the sheep's best interests at heart. 
They were self-interested. And that's plain to see, because when Jesus the Christ appears and proves it in chapter 9, they reject the evidence. They persecute it. They terrify the families into silence. They are only there to steal, verse 9, kill and destroy. And today, as we said, these bad shepherds are all around us. The secular agenda is rife in our society, in our schools. Christian faith, the voice of Jesus, the true shepherd, is marginalized. And sometimes it's totally squashed. And these days, it's all about me, the self. Values are based on what we earn, what we possess, how we look, what we think, and so on. All of it seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. Taking us away from the author of life, the good shepherd. Secular materialism demands our whole life, doesn't it? We follow... We need to follow that with absolute sheep-like obedience, and we do. But life will not be found in a five-figure salary or a five-bedroom house. But true life is available, and it's free of charge when we come to Jesus. Remember what he said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are heavy and uh, laden, and I will give you rest. Unlike the heavy yoke of the religion, uh, or uh, secular idolatry, um, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I was shocked a few years ago, I think it was 2015, um, when the Catholic Church suddenly announced that forgiveness was available for women who'd had abortions. Previously, it was an unforgivable sin. But with this new initiative, there were conditions attached. For this forgiveness, they had to go to specific churches, on a specific date in order to confess your sins to a specific priest who'd been appointed for that purpose. Now, that's daylight robbery. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Forgiveness is found here. Not through jumping through hoops. And in verse 9, they will come in and go out and find pasture. This is the full life that verse 10 is talking about. It's eternal, true life, and it's what we're made for. So eternal life is not just life that lasts forever. It's a relationship with the living Lord Jesus. Eternal life, and that means, begins the day that we turn to him in repentance and faith. It's less about length and more about depth. Deeper, intense relationship with the God who made you. But we need to be slightly careful here because there could be a lot of talk about life to the full, uh, meaning self-fulfillment now, or health, or wealth, a myriad of blessings now. But so often that isn't the reality, is it? We'd never say that to our non-Christian friend, that following Jesus would improve your social life. Or solve all your problems. And that wasn't the case with the blind man either, was it? On the day of his conversion, there should have been this huge celebration. His parents should have said, right, great, now my son can find a job. And uh, this, he could have made a living. Really got involved in the community more. But no, the religious police are on to him. It's not long before he is condemned. And he's, his association with Jesus means he's been kicked out of the temple of the community. His membership 
of the community was revoked. So before it's really begun, his social life has come to an end. Life to the full doesn't look very full to a casual observer. But you know that he would not have stopped knowing Jesus for anything. His heart was full to bursting. Last week I heard the story of Rashid, a Pakistani man, uh, previously a Muslim, um, and like this blind man, he met with Christ and gave him his life. And his family were removed from him. His wife and six-year-old daughter were taken away. But this is what he said. Some might conclude that my life is pitiable. After all, every evening after I finish my shift, I go home to an empty flat, not one filled with the gleeful shouts of a six-year-old child. When I go to bed at night, there is no one to say, I love you. I never expect to hear from my parents on my birthday, or any other day for that matter. But to pity me would be to miss the joy I experience. I believe things are better now than before I was a Christian. My home may be quiet, but I'm not lonely. My family may have forsaken me, but I'm not abandoned. I have Christ. And that is enough. In my eyes, I've been blessed before, beyond measure. Far greater than I deserve. And more than I could have hoped for. There is a man living life to the full, in pain and suffering. How? Why? Because he's secure in his identity as one of God's sheep. He knows his shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his father, our God. He sees ahead to the treasure that awaits. When I hear a testimony like that, it puts my feeble faith into perspective. I want this joy. Uh, more so this assurance that I belong to the shepherd. But I need to remember that however shaky my faith is, he's walking beside me. No, he's carrying me. And so blocking out the voices from the world, with the Holy Spirit's help, I work to truly listen to his voice that I might deepen my relationship with him and thus grow in confidence of his ever-loving shepherd presence with me. And that's life to the full, but one that we only see dimly in this life, but we will know truly in the life to come. Well, we're going to pray. Um, we're going to sing a song, actually. We could pray the song, so I'll invite the musicians up. Um, Do you want to put the first verse up on the screen, uh, Abby? Um, this is a gift of grace, a free gift. Jesus, can we say this? He's my redeemer. Uh, there's no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace, my shepherd. 
um, later on in the song. Um, to this I hold, my shepherd will defend me. Through the deepest valley he will lead. And with every breath I long to follow him. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. And Lord, as we sing this song, please uh, fill our hearts afresh uh, with the joy of calling you Good Shepherd. Amen. Mm -hmm.